a word to the wise. We are an explicit podcast tackling content with adult themes as well as entering spoiler territory. Ooh, if you aren't caught up with us, which is through chapter 15 of Jade War by Fonda Lee. Hey there, this is Cross. <laughs> I'm PJ. I'm Ben. I'm Aaron. And I am Thomas. Ooh. And we are words. <laughs> Spooky Thomas. And we are words and whiskey, a podcast for veteran and novice readers alike. We tackle fiction novels and love to talk about what we're drinking. You should think of us as your intoxicating weekly book club. Intoxicating. That was great, Thomas. Thank you for Thank you. Uh, that. Was actually that was, both that was of such those a good were time. excellent. <laughs> the first one. First one, I was hoping for kind of like, you know, it's the NBA playoffs on TNT. I was trying to go for like a sportscaster vibe. I don't know if I hit it at all because I didn't rehearse, but brought a lot of energy I see to that. it. it I thought news anchor. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Somebody anchoring that. something. For sure. <laughs> Most anchoring this definitely. team. I like bringing this. us down. <laughs> Thank you. Not that you could see it because this is an audio podcast, but spooky hands that accompany the. Spirit, it's called uh, Spirit Aaron fingers. and I laugh. Thank you. It is called but Spirit they, Fingers. It also like went down a little bit more, tickle, so it was like a little bit more of a full fingers. gesture. It was like creepy okay. jazz hands. <laughs> creepy jazz hands. Have you guys been? Oh, PJ, I see your dog great. walking around. Yeah, one's walking around. One's like at my feet right now. They're, they're hanging out. They were inconsolably barking at nothing right before recording, so I've been or in here, so they have it nothing was a to ghost. bark at. Yeah, were they looking at something as they did it? Me. They were looking at me. Hmm. You're they the ran ghost. inside. You're haunted. They were outside <laughs> doing their business, and then they ran inside and both looked at me and barked at me, and I tried following them outside. Nothing. Nothing there, and they like, just wanted to go back inside. They, they had nothing for me. They had nothing. We want to go me. back to the waterfall, dude. That's what they're trying to yeah, say. Probably want to go yeah. back to the to the they farm that we were at all weekend. Fine. Yes, they don't rot with teals. Farm with a waterfall. That sounds pretty majestic, and not something we have here in Kansas. It the farm <laughs> the waterfall wasn't on the farms, farm, but it was like half a mile not away from the farm. Oh, there was a. I don't know if anybody saw the story that I posted on our Instagram page of me like pointing out the how how short the the head beam was on the entrance. There's a nice big scratch on the top of my head from me <laughs> running oh, head no. first into it. Were you uh, drunk? That's tough. That's tough. No, no, it's just it was tall just people like problems. This tall. Oh, I wouldn't know. No. Could not be me. I, I have to say, me. I've never hit the header of a doorway. It was. Super I've cool. scraped my head on a ceiling before, but never, never a header of a doorway. Yeah. Were you in a hobbit's house? It was a small, like it was a small room. It it would be illegal to build today for sure. Like this is not not up to code. Aaron, can I um, say I was seconds away from making a hobbit whole hero joke? <laughs> See, me and Thomas. You guys are just in sync today. Always. All right. Today is our always. <laughs> Today is our second episode talking about chapters eight through fifteen of Jade War. So, before we get too much further, though, PJ, what's the featured cocktail? What'd you make? I was having a little bit tr- of trouble with inspiration today, so I did what every resourceful young person today would do, and I just asked chat gpt to do it for no me. free ads so i i gave the prompt of give me a cocktail that would pair well with the first 15 chapters of jade war by fonda lee 
And this is the response that I got. Title, The Jade Emperor. Ingredients, two ounces of green tea infused vodka, three quarter ounce honey syrup, equal parts honey and water, half ounce lime juice, half ounce fresh orange juice, one dash of orange bitters, one sprig of fresh mint instructions to infuse the vodka, add one to two green tea bags to the bottle of vodka and let steep for two to four hours, depending on how strong you want the tea flavor to be. Remove the tea bags before using. In a shaker filled with ice, combine the the infused vodka, honey syrup, lime juice, orange juice, and orange bitters. Shake vigorously for about 15 seconds until well chilled. Strain the mixture into a rocks glass filled with ice. Garnish with sprig with a sprig of French mint. <sighs> the Jade Emperor is a refreshing <laughs> and flavorful cocktail that pay, pays homage to the novel setting and themes. The green tea infused vodka represents the Jade City, while the honey syrup symbolizes the delicate balance of power between the clans the citrus juices add a bright note of optimism while the orange bitters gives a subtle touch of bitterness that nods to the looming conflict enjoy the cocktail with your book club as you discuss the first 15 chapters of jade war and savor the flavors and complexities of both the drink and the novel cheers well no one ever accused chat gpt of being short-winded (laughs) so that's the whole recipe i did make a few adjustments based on what i had at home i had tangerines not oranges so that's a slight difference and then i didn't have mint so i wasn't able to garnish it properly but i like what you did though i'd like to ask how'd you get such a straight line in the on the the fuzzy one sprinkled on top oh that is not this one. This is the one that ChatGPT made. Oh. I will I will talk about the next one after this. You made two versions. I made two yeah. versions. I made this and then I like tweaked it and made my own. This one is for science. Good, but kind of lackluster. It almost tastes only like iced tea. Like I don't get almost anything else out of it, which is I was kind of surprised. It, it tastes like unflavored iced tea, weirdly. Mint might have actually helped in that case. It could have. It probably could have. The other the other thing that I changed that I forgot to mention, I didn't want to like make a whole bottle of green tea vodka. So I just took four really? ounces you of didn't? it and then put a single tea leaf or a tea bag in there mm-hmm. and let it infuse for like three hours. So that's a lot more tea to vodka ratio than what they were expecting. So it might just be a little bit heavy handed in the tea aspect of things, but tea category, I did something a little bit different. I added an egg white and instead of serving it over ice, I served it up. I added more lime. I did about three Let's see. I I did about an ounce of lime juice instead of the half ounce that it called for. Maybe a little bit less, three quarters, about an ounce, somewhere in there. One and a half lime (laughs) as opposed. (laughs) It's whatever. But then I also garnished it with matcha powder. So I I had Mm -hmm. a bench scraper that I put over half the glass and then dusted with matcha powder over the top for visual effects. And it looked really, really pretty. But it's also like the sharpness really, really helps bring out everything and the silkiness of the egg whites makes it feel more like an actual cocktail as opposed to iced tea. So both good though. 
And but this this feels more like an actual cocktail than the other one. Does the other one feel yeah. like a robot cocktail? <laughs> yep. Enjoy it's Jade right, real City hard. with your Soulless, friends. heartless, cold. <laughs> I, I did want to add. I was expecting it not to be as good as it was. That's fair. I I did want to add that when I when I saw that I went wait a second the Jade City I was like I'm pretty sure it's maybe not said at all in the books that it's ever called Jade City it is only once in all of the books only once is Jan Lude referred to as Jade City and it's in the first sixty pages because that's what foreigners call Jan Lude is Jade mm-hmm. City only mm-hmm. one time though Title and I was like the Jade City like not a whole lot of people say that it's not a you know I don't know. Yeah. Have you seen that meme but, that's like when the author slips in the title of the book, like yeah. in the book, and you're like, oh. mm-hmm. <gasps> yeah, I can't whistle, but you do the Leo meme. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is it is that in the yeah, first sixty totally. pages of this book or the no Jade book? City, which is okay. also why I was remarking upon it. Yeah, for that's Jade War. odd. Yep, but because we spent a lot of time on the cocktail, what's everyone else having? Cold whiskey, like an idiot. Like a madman. We love it. It was dumb. I don't like put ice in it. I just wanted to try it. It did a little weird and it's stupid. It's not good. You only <laughs> yeah, like warm whiskey? I like warm whiskey with maybe a dollop, <laughs> like the tiny bit of water to make it breathe or whatever. Nor- yeah. Normally I do neat. That's because you're neat. You're Thank a neat you. guy. Wow. That was nice. You're so neat. <laughs> I'm drinking but like <laughs> Nice. No frats. I am drinking Jameson Lemonade again. It's There was one left oh, and it's very good. <laughs> it was good last week. It will be good this week. No, I didn't think it. But you cross. I'm having absinthe and water because I'm a madman, and I didn't have any fruit left over from this weekend. So, do, do you guys like enjoy black nice. licorice or? I no. like. So this doesn't actually really taste like black licorice as much as it does like fennel. So it tastes more like the bitterness, which is still anise. It's still black licorice, but it's not nearly. Like, I don't like eating black licorice. I like this, though. Yeah, I, I was kind of miming that. That said, it's been a long time since I've tried black licorice. Like, it's been mm-hmm. since I was a kid. So maybe, maybe when I'm, I'm an like adult now, now, now that I, I like absinthe. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure. Not sure. All right, folks. Before we talk about the chapters, what you guys? what'd you guys think about this week's reading? How'd you feel? I'm glad we got some more fighting. It reminded <laughs> me of like a Mission Impossible... No, that's not it. It reminded me of X-Men when Magneto is going mm. up against all the cops. Oh, okay. Yeah, I could see that. And then Magneto's like, I get the ha! Magneto vibe. And they're like, fuck! And then they all die. Lifts up all the guns, flips the cars. Yeah. yeah. Definitely has that vibe. Mm-hmm. I'm just mad our main character doesn't make an appearance in this section. <laughs> Albero? Yeah, it's super missing. <laughs> that's why I liked it. i'm gonna pretend cross and i steamed this up appropriately we were like we got this fucking gross doru chapter we can't have a barrow chapter in here absolutely cannot (laughs) cannot do both i enjoyed this week i thought there was uh, a lot of good developments for our female characters shay and mcwin both had pretty great chapters so i was really enjoying that yeah they had some banner weeks i think all around between especially mcwen gets gets a lot of time in the sun and we definitely finally get back to like shay and dialing in on that story 
as well as some tangential fun with Andon that I see no one noticed. <laughs> Not noticed, but mentioned. <laughs> yeah, tangential fun. <laughs> oh, Andon. Oh, I, have, I a, have a good time. I have agendas to get off. It's a fun. Yeah. You have agendas to get off. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. I've been All watching right. too much Midnight well, Boys or listening to too much Midnight Boys, Midnight Boys and picking up their <laughs> lingo. Mm. Mm. All right. Cool. So with that, we go into chapter eight, Family Matters. We circle around to call Make One of whom is pregnant. It also brings a shocking revelation. Eni was pregnant with Lon's child and she found out about two weeks before his death. She ultimately sent him a letter, of course, believing that it to be his child at that point. But after a conversation that Wen has with Hilo about family, he agrees to let Nicholas and Eni come back to KCON. We get more development on that, that sort of element to the story a little bit later in this week. But overall, what do you guys think of this moment from Wen and sort of the confrontation about family and sort of the way that it circles around that in a big way from Mick's, or Make Wen's perspective? We find out about two babies whose mm-hmm. Wen is pregnant. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the first we found out about that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Right. I feel like she's gaining confidence like with her role within the clan. And so it's like giving her more confidence to speak up to Hilo. And that happens throughout this week's chapters. And he actually encourages that one point, which is cool. But yeah, I like, I like this, like make wins, like kind of coming into her own here a lot more. And I hope that continues. Yeah. To, to repeat the word and maybe just ask this Aaron, is she no longer a vessel? Have we escaped vessel status? She's a pregnant vessel later. <laughs> well, now too. <laughs> I mean, as a character, come on. No, I like I Wen a lot. Mm-hmm. I agree with what Ben just said. That, yeah. you know, I like that she has agency and a a way to make her feel fulfilled and like she's helping the clan. Yeah. And I, I think that we get into some of those finer details, I think, a little bit later. But part of the thing that I really like about this is like there there are a number of reveals, but none of it is like overtly. None of, none of like my what I grasp in this chapter is like overtly textual, right? Like Hilo is going to be a dad. He's already an uncle suddenly, like overnight, basically. And and we get this new layer on top of Hilo's character with every decision that he's making, where it's like, now you're also a father, but you have the responsibility to the clan as the pillar. So there's there's a lot of extra complexity there, especially with the sort of knowing trap and mess that he's going to be walking himself into in the Uiwen Islands. What do you guys think of that? Hmm. I mean, it's the reassurances that he gives are not reassuring <laughs> at all <laughs> like the no your brother will be there like no now i'd get to worry about both of you it was, just, it was a perfect response from her and goes unchecked or not unchecked kilo just kind of ignores it at that point which was frustrating but mm. what else could he do like he does right. have to conduct this business it's like Lion King. I feel like I have to do a lot of Lion King quotes. I laugh in the face of danger. <laughs> <laughs> you've you've definitely thrown out the Lion King references. Sorry, I haven't seen it in years. It really <laughs> scarred me so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally fair. 
there's there's this other side too of like and it, it again it kind of goes unsaid but of like called do walked a similar path and ultimately died and didn't even make it to be a pillar to be a dad for everyone else and so there's there's some of that i think that's constantly lingering in the background we even get a dose of it with not necessarily fully but just even we can approach that thought because lawn doesn't get to be the father to his kid that we're we're now made aware of so you can start to see some some sort of cascading generational tendencies among the green bones and yeah and this is just like this fits who Hilo is like yeah he should be safer or whatever but he's just not going to be that's not his personality that's not who he is as a leader and if he wants a family like these risks are inherent so I think it's just part of the acceptance and like yeah recognizing like that's just that's who you married <laughs> at the end of the day yeah <laughs> also though i feel like Hilo is right not to be super worried because right yeah because of like where they're going and how much power just like he and tar alone pack and then they have mm-hmm. four other guys with them you know yeah, he's not super second guessing it for sure. I'm just thinking in the back of my head, that's where like these st- thoughts start to enter is like, what about sort of the longevity as a father? Like those questions have to come into the back of your head in the moment every time you walk into a room that you might not walk out of. So the final note that I wanted to kind of punctuate this chapter with is also the first moment in which when and Hilo meet many years ago when Hilo showed up on the doorstep with Ken and Tar and had dinner with the family and in the back of her mind when knew that she was going to marry him because of the way that despite her heritage and sort of her place in society as a stone eye she was he didn't treat her any differently didn't tug on his ear didn't do anything at all made eye contact treated her like a person and so you can kind of see those those butterflies starting even back then, which is just nice. It's cute. It's a good way to, I think, end and punctuate this chapter. Very sweet. She had a crush. As a person who had an older brother, there were many times where I knew I was going to marry one of my brother's friends, but it never worked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair. Fair enough. I had crushes yeah. on my sister's friends for sure. Yeah. yeah. But as sister. like a, you know, young girl, you're like, marriage? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> marriage? Marriage? It's fair. That's that's a good point. That does kind of add the sort of layer of childish, childishness, which I had not thought of. Wow, that tequila shot is really hitting me. All right. Clearly, we're good. <laughs> He's All right. wasted. Wasted. Crossing drunk Already. on his own podcast. What the fuck? Mother Unprofessional. The podcast is all about drinking wait what yeah crossland when have i ever gotten drunk on this show (laughs) you don't want me to answer that question (laughs) i can start to catalog the episodes there are lots (laughs) all right i think that's it with chapter eight yep (sighs) chapter nine the uian and his half bones hilo and his hand-picked crew traveled to taya luhaya the largest of the Yuian Islands to retrieve to retrieve his cousin Taihi from the crime lord and jade smuggling kingpin Zapunyo. After a terse exchange where Hilo puts the Yuian in his place, he ultimately leaves with Taihi, but not before there's some confrontation with local police. So when we start this chapter, I think this 
demonstrates like you know just some more of the thoughtfulness of Hilo and in his role as pillar and his role as horn and how he picks and like chooses this team to bring to this mission yes i i was really excited to get exposed to a new set of people and Mm -hmm. one of which has the same name as the protagonist from three of the books we've already read which was i was kind of excited about vin oh oh first last (laughs) i was not paying that much attention (laughs) i should have Wait, yeah. who's Vin? Vin from Mistborn? Mistborn. Mistborn. Yeah. I was like, yep. that wasn't right. Oh, I was yep. thinking of Ma- Matza. What? Monscaro Monza? Mercado. Yeah. Monza. Fuck. Yeah. See yeah. how I forget things immediately? <laughs> <laughs> That's even book four. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I do have to say, the name of this chapter got me super hyped up. And I know we got like. A, a rationale for the term half bones pretty quickly but until we got to that point i was so sure that there was some dude with like jade embedded in his bones or something like oh, that shit. like i thought it was some some fucked up augmentation that he had done to himself i don't know i don't I, my That's mind was cool. going wild with it it was it was the opposite they're half <laughs> yeah. half bones because bakers it's like bakers. a slur yeah. Wearing the fake jade. Didn't one of yeah. you say you would wear fake jade? Yeah. I did. Just to see what your reaction was for this moment. Because <laughs> oh. I did want to kind of like play it out inside of that to be like, what do you, would you think of that concept? And I kind of wanted to like pick your brain before we got there. <laughs> but yeah, I said that I would wear Cross, what, what was my reaction when I, I heard did. that? Oh, you, you texted me and you went, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> soft. Super aggressive. Yeah, I was. I was like, what the? I was like, yeah. I might have to leave the podcast. Who, are, who is this man? Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty funny. He's a, I, I was, was like, like no, no, no. I was doing it intentionally. Yeah, I was doing it intentionally. Before we, yeah. there's, so one thread I want to pull on in a second, PJ, is that meeting a new people bit. But right kind of in the beginning of the chapter, there was a little exchange, which isn't, as like insightful as the quotes we usually pull from the reading but i just i just liked it for some reason and that was waiting for them next to the tarmac were two white rental cars with drivers which hilo had asked hard to arrange alongside a welcome party of 10 armed men which he had not but was unsurprised to see i just thought it was funny yeah I like that. The other side of this that I think is funny is that they're just white rental cars. Every other time we've had a car <laughs> described, it's been by the brand. Yeah. And this is mm-hmm. brandless. Which made like sense. This whole, chapter, this whole chapter was just yeah. like straight out of a, a movie. I feel like oh, I've yeah. seen this entire scene before. Yeah. It was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was excited. Yeah. I actually, I really liked Sapunio. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Speak on it. Talk about it. I've got I've got kind of a question that relates immediately to Zapunio. I want to get so obviously we we know that we kind of have the immediate comparison between like the calls and the general like green bones and the Yakuza. Do you have another mobster group or gangster group that you would associate and compare the Uiwins with and Zapunio's crew? Anything that comes to mind? In this book? Yeah, just in general, like the vibe that you get. I get I, I get something very specific. I I got like vibes. Colombian narco vibes. For me, it's Colombian cartel. It's yeah. Colombian cartel. Oh, I thought you meant by, or Mexican to cartel. something in the book. I oh, like, no, no, no. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> Real world. Sorry, I was comparing the, yeah. the Green Bones to the Yakuza. Yeah. For me, it's Colombian Mexico or like my 
go-to comparisons. That was definitely what I thought of first as well. Or like a small island nation ruined, r- ruled by a dictator, <laughs> like a very small mm-hmm. one. <laughs> Could be Cuba. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I thought Zapunia was... He's, was he making a lot of sense to you? Well, he's like working with what he's got and he's not like quick to anger or, or he seemed very like sneaky sneaky. He was described as way too ugly for me to like him. <laughs> oh, you don't like uglies? No. Listen, it's a powerful psychological impact. You know, what's beautiful is good hypothesis. <laughs> oh, no. Way too ugly for me to like it. That's so funny. I mean, Just the fact that honest. Ben interacts with all of us now, that has to boost our own The standard confidence. is strong. Oh, wait. My, my like, confidence was already a. Listen, you gotta look in the mirror and see at least an eight. Otherwise, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> just keeping it real man but just keeping i did it real. think he said something that Hilo should consider which is that Hilo's view of jade is small-minded and i think everyone on kcon's view of jade is small-minded except for itmada so you know the world's gonna keep spinning and they need to figure out how to like modernize and get with the times you know Probably really but good at advice. the same time, backing up those claims are looking at his fucking compound that is all like been bought and paid for by illegal jade. jade smuggling. Like he's fleecing his pockets way more than what like Hilo would want to just give into, knowing full well that he would just continue doing that. In benefiting personally, individually, from any sort of trade deal that would go on. But I don't think that makes Aaron wrong, though, or Zapunio wrong in that concept where it's like he is kind of dated in the idea. Like, yes, there is some hypocrisy there in the way that he's lined his pockets. But I don't think that's any different than the idea that it's like keeping it on the island is deluding yourself, which is basically what he's saying in a much kinder fashion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Kinder and then sending... Please. Well, I do think he's sneaky, in the negotiation. Sneaky. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if he was working with somebody else. I'm not saying the mountain, but somebody else. And I think... Oh, wait. That's next chapter. I'll say that next chapter. One thing that stood out to me is when they're talking about the Uean Islands and the differences between them and Teton and how they fared differently under the Shatarian occupation and conquest than Teton because of the lack of jade in their country... And it reminded me of the contrast that's drawn between the Talls and the Taiji. I forget how to say it, but written out, I always say Taiji. Taiji. Yeah. And the Talls, how like. Taiji. But anyway, on the surface, like, you know, they're very similar and could be rivals of one another, but because of like a random occurrence of luck, basically, one group is much more powerful and influential than the others. That's some good book reading there. Thank you. Thank you, boss. <laughs> Is that one of your canned that's, responses? You need to save that, that and just play it whenever you have like a filler. That is going on some kind of a buzzer <laughs> internally for the Words like, Whiskey like, Show. Uh, there's a snake in my boot. Pulling exactly. the string. <laughs> Ben's little tug string of quotes. What's another one? We need now another Ben quote. That's some good book reading right there. Is this us actually discussing getting like a soundboard for the show? 
I don't have one in my closet. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I can repurpose my old MIDI board. It's fine. I think that was a great comparison, Thomas. And I did yeah. not Thank get you. that subtext, but I think you're spot on. I love it. I that. mean, I've had to read it a billion times, so that's probably the only reason I picked up on it. You're pretty smart. <laughs> that's you're another one. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's also, there's so much culturally, I think, that's introduced in this chapter as well that I just adored. I'm just curious where you guys stood on a lot of that. Like, just finally visiting another country. I mean, we get another one in, like, two chapters, but being outside of the city for once. We learned that you can have two women in one night, but not three. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, these guys. You tried to have three. What a little whore. Tehi, Teji, whatever the fuck his name is. Taj Mahal. <laughs> I didn't even bother to write his first name because I just didn't feel like it. I was just like, ah, who cares? Insignificant. That piece of shit. And it's just a funny yeah. rule, though. <laughs> just like, if you have two women, <laughs> women, three, right to jail, three. right away. Yep. Two, right to jail. <laughs> that is the meme. <laughs> right to jail. <laughs> there, there's your meme, PJ. <laughs> <laughs> and Tehi is, it's his fault that all this even, this Zapuno Hilo meeting even happened. So, like, I don't blame Zapuno for taking this opportunity that fell into his lap. Right. Yeah. He's just taking advantage of the moment. I mean, yeah, I, I can see where he's coming from with his offer, but mm-hmm. he has to know one Hilo's not going to take that. So I'm like, is there some kind of ulterior motive going on here? Like I have one. It's in the next chapter. Okay. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing <laughs> that. Anything else? Thomas? Yes. I was just, Giving a beat, you know, taking a pause. Tut, tut, tut. Speaking of Zapuno's offer, Hilo pretty ferociously rejects it, right? He's not having it. He's not about it. Do we think that Hilo and Zapuno are are as different as Hilo thinks that they are? I, yeah, I think Hilo and Zapuno are similar. They're, They're clearly different in that Hilo has like legitimacy behind. They're not as different as Hilo wants to think that they are, but they are different. I think. Right. So it's like an Espenian might look at them and be like, they're the same, but the nuances of the countries, Hilo's like, this guy, nothing like me at all. I think that's well put. Isn't isn't this kind of the same assumption that that is made often, I feel in the, in the East. I mean, I, isn't this often the thing where people get drugged together by cultural groups without like actually having or sharing similar culture? You know, I, I feel like that's kind of what Fonda's pointing to here. Right. Yeah, definitely. Probably. Yeah. I was looking at like a book to book comparison, kind of more like, mm, the, fair, ma- fair like enough, yeah. the mountain and no Peter constantly accusing the other of being barbaric or, and it's just like another instance of that where it's like pretty similar setups going on. And just because, you know, you guys have the more formal training and were blessed to not have been basically kidnapped and driven from your homeland into Shatar and then now you're half bones, like you don't you just look down on them just yeah. because of where they were born, basically. And he's like a nice little messy ball of hypocrisy and craziness going on. Yeah. And he even like talks about that at one point, like how much 
it's like they're just running a clan here. Yeah, like a, they're playing at it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I, I wonder how much of these things we have like similar criticisms of for no peak had we not occupied their points of view and like understood the nuances and the reasoning behind all of these things. Like would we see the the violence on the streets and the sort of use of the lantern men and giving up territory and all of this as self-serving and and power hungry and totalitarian if we didn't occupy their their minds and their their perspectives it's one of the big questions of the book in general yeah what what gets me a little bit and we're not quite there but in the next chapter when we have the showdown with the police is Hilo talking about like we don't kill jadeless unless they side with our enemies paraphrasing but that's the relevant part and like they didn't ever declare sort of alliance or otherwise with the Zapunio. They they didn't have a formal like declaration of enemy ship. Like they're the line in the sand is drawn when they decide to start killing them and decide that they're enemies right there. Basically. Yeah. Just to, I mean, we can definitely, we'll definitely talk about this in the next chapter, but the quote green buds don't kill those without Jade unless they break our laws or side with our enemies. We got to wait for the next chapter. I've been waiting. Yep. <laughs> Aaron has been patiently waiting. Sorry, I jumped the line. You do that. Do that. It's okay. That's all I got. All right. With that, we go to chapter 10, A Ridiculous Waste. After No Peak leaves Zapunio's estate, they quickly find themselves face down by corrupt policemen from the island on their way to their plane. After giving them an out, Hilo and his green bones make short work of them, suffering mostly minor injuries. Hilo has a conversation with the new finger and Andin's old friend, Lot Jin Jr., being that this is the first time that he's killed anyone as he's shaken. His dad's name is Lot Jin and was referred to as Lot Jin Sr. He's not referred to at this point as Jr. because I think his, because his dad's dead, I think he's the only one that's alive, but they are both Lot Jin. Anyway, but I mean, this chapter is intense. It's quick. It's a great follow-up. You get kind of the nice political conversation. Then you get the fallout of that conversation and sort of the truth of the matter. And we continue that conversation about Tar and sort of his insecurities right off the bat in in this one and what he would have done or what he wouldn't have done. And I, I find that also fascinating. This Tar seems to, where Ken seems to be adjusting into his role, Tar seems to be having a little bit more difficulty. Because he keeps fucking up. It's not his fault. Pharaoh's fault. <laughs> okay. What I've been wanting yeah. to say yeah. was that Zapunio could have set this whole thing up because he needed those policemen like out of his way. And that was like his way of cleaning house. I think he already owned them though. I know, but like he he clearly like knew they like were two all birds, die. one stone. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. I feel like it was some kind of like PR play or something like that because they're talking about how like it was spread all over the place. Like it was making like international news that these green bones like massacred cops or whatever. Or it's like some kind of play where he wants Hilo to underestimate him because like what I don't get is like you send these cops against green bones like 
Did he actually expect them to kill them? No, I think he for sure knew the cops were all going to die. So yeah, it's yeah. either the PR or the or he wanted those cops out of the way for some reason. Yeah, that feels like almost like a totally different story. But I don't know. I I definitely see where you're coming from. I think that is a good idea too. But there's something there that like I don't know. Maybe he wants Hilo to think he's stupid so that like Hilo underestimates him later on here in the story. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I can't imagine that he actually thought these cops would kill these guys. No. I don't think he no, That seems pointless. It seems like a, a death sentence either way. Right. Ooh. Thank you, Thomas. You're right. I was wrong. I thought that he was Lote Jr. I'm thinking of a different character. He is Lote Penshugan is his father's name. Good work. Thanks for detectiving that in the background no worries. for It me. just, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Penshugan. There's another junior senior, though, and I'm, I'm failing to remember the name at the moment. It's going to come to me in a minute, but I know that he's a finger. Anyway, but yeah, I, I love... The way, obviously, the scene goes down, it's bloody, it's violent. It's got that Magneto action vibe to it. And it, for the first time in a while, feels like we really get a full sense again of the Greenbone abilities and powers without having them sort of forced into our face in a way. I don't I don't love, like, immediately... I don't feel the desire to or the need to necessarily, but one of the criticisms that I have of Mistborn between books is that necessity that Brandon felt to write a scene in the first 30 pages that reminded you of the magic system right away. And this is just so much more gradual and normal and natural and feels right for the the characters in the story mm-hmm. that I really appreciate it from a comparison standpoint. Hunter really just likes to dole out little tastes of the powers. Like, <laughs> and I'm just like, are we, drugs. It's are, just like a little yeah. dose of drugs. <laughs> are we ever going to get like a full on like Jason the Dragon hit of this stuff or or what? You know, that's she's leaving you wanting more. I know. I think keeps you the reading. naturalness of like everything. It makes this series so immersive. Yeah, and that's why I love it so much. At least, but that is how violence is. Like violence is very short, quick, brutal. Like that is true to life. So I like the way that she writes it. It's just like... Yeah, this isn't an Avengers flick. Right, right. I know. Mm-hmm. Pew, 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 pew. All right. Martin it's, Scorsese. It's closer to Matrix in that way, where it's it feels very much like he, he jumps out of the car, he whips out the talon knife, <laughs> yeah. 30 bullets come in, he kind of just puts them down and in different directions, spraying them, catching some people. You know, Ooh, it's I great. Like the knife Walking out slowly. The knife throwing was yeah, the coolest the, part. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Which we know he'd been working on our too, boy Lot um, recently, Looped. and Looped. like like you said, Cross, just the how cool it is. He just walks out all by himself because he knows. And then we see like again, he, he tries really good at this. Like he just has this instinctual level of deafness as a horn and at this combat stuff, where he's like, you know, a it looks cool. We're doing the green bone thing of like, hey, you guys can walk away from this if you want, but also it's easier to deflect if all the bullets are focused at me. Yeah, that was interesting too. But if you came Meanwhile, a little too close. Tahi in the car just being a little crying, sobbing piece of shit. <laughs> They're here for me. Great. I slept with three women. What will you do, cousin? Like they're most assuredly not here for you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. It's a it's a great one. Anything else on the action components here that we enjoyed? Anything else? 
on the mind? I well, thought the whole like the, getting on an airplane. I, I keep forgetting what like time period we're in. I'm like, oh yeah, you can airplane. smoke on the airplane. So we learned that with Andon. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. So also, doesn't he have a grapefruit soda too? I was yeah, thinking mango, mango. Yeah. I, I mango, mango. Meant yeah. to say, for whatever reason, the the mango soda sounds fantastic. Brought me out of it so much, <laughs> and I don't. Know I really, why. It, it did. It, was it just did like, bring me out of it too. Just the like, it's so. I don't know just, why. Just like just how random it seemed like is. they would be drinking alcohol. Yeah, I guess like it was just... Koji feels like it would have been right. Yeah. Sure. Right, just because it's like... I, I know there's like cars and all these other modern things that we have and like real world things, but just the soda for some reason just feels so like <laughs> next yeah. level normal that I was just like... It's just... It was like surreal. To, it'd be like, I don't know, seeing like a hmm. celebrity doing something normal kind of is the vibe that it gave me. So my... I, I kind of had the opposite reaction to it because like it they're on well. this private jet. It felt like a luxury item to that be was, able to yeah. get a soda. Like it, it's it not felt a super more nice just like, jet, but it is a private it's jet. A plane, like it, right? it does rattle their brains yeah. right, while they're fair, in. Fair, but it, it's their like their own. It's not a commercial airliner. I guess it's a private like, plane. Yeah. I meant but, normal as like we have it. Oh, and it's I a mean, fantasy okay. world type thing Got which it. i that's why i was getting out with like i know there's the other normal stuff in that like others but we have oh, planes yeah, and fats machines and all that bullshit but i don't know why the mango soda i was just like what the mangoes are fantastic you're wrinkling my brain it was a prop plane so i mean it would have had a propeller so it wasn't like a super nice private jet and and then i immediately thought of blue's plane from whatever the show was that he was in the, <laughs> the jungle by god <laughs> tailspin thank you and i was immediately like transported to that moment and that's the only thing i can imagine this plane being is the tailspin plane so here we are that said once they're on the plane there's one final thing that i'd love to talk about in this chapter and that is the conversation of what hilo manages to do with Lote. i really appreciate kind of the way that he not only kind of secures him in again i think that what hilo is doing is brilliant in, in many hands, it is manipulation, but <laughs> Hilo means it very genuinely and it comes from the soul and it's part of the culture. So it all works. But I, I really appreciate the way that he approaches Lot, especially considering what he's just done and the way that he feels about it in the moment. What do you guys think of the conversation with Lot and his old buddy? Great. It's like it is genuine, but but also manipulation. I don't know. But it's like good hearted manipulation, kind of, mm-hmm. but also not in that he's just like bringing him in closer because he knows he's going to need him like I, I don't know it's it's interesting it's it's the culture it's yeah. i show like i get it and and I'm, I'm more than willing to like tag that in for the reason that it feels that way but it's definitely the same sort of like gang guilt manipulation this yeah. is how you get in deeper it's just been embedded in the culture for so long that it's different so like i understand why but I think the point that I appreciated the most out of this was Kilo kind of straddling that line of understanding that Lot is going to be speaking out in a way that isn't typical for a finger talking to the pillar, but not being too heavy handed and correcting, but still like saying like, Hey, look at me when you're talking to me and like, Mm -hmm. remember the respect that I deserve or that, that, you are supposed to give me but 
I'm not coming down on you as hard as like I should because I understand you just killed a dude for the first time. Like there there's a compassion without being without completely giving up his position of power within this gang. Mm. Right. Is Lot the one that Andon had a crush on? Yes. Yep. Yes. All right. I think that Lot's guilt it makes me think Lot's gonna like go sneak away to and hang out with Andon, not and give up his jade. He's got a family to take care of. I don't think so. Uh, Ooh, are we are we feeling a bet coming on? Yes. I don't know. It I'll seemed take it. like it. It seemed like it. All right. All right. Thomas we've got, got opposing no, sides. But- <laughs> I'm not a fan of the bets. I've come down on that side <laughs> well, of it. <laughs> all right. So we've got <laughs> for Ben, you're saying that he's sticking around for family, yeah? Yes. And he's gonna get killed tragically. When and Andon will never forgive Hilo in this book. Whoa. And Aaron, are you on the side of? <laughs> this is my my. You gonna run off with Andon or yeah. run off to a Spinia with Andon? Run off with Andon. Hmm. Not necessarily a Spinia. Wherever he is. By oh, the end of the man. book. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. So much book. All right, I'm gonna take a third. I love this. A third view of this. All right, a third, a third take. We love a third take. take. He convinces Andon to come back. Oh, that's a better take. Well, I've staked my flag. And and all right, go Um, green again with his words or what? I mean, words a, to start. Are you suggesting the alternate was his, his body? Oh. Well, you know, maybe his death motivates Andon to come back uh, to the clan. I don't know. I was maybe Go I was trying to combine Ben and PJ's take. All right, all right. I mean, Go. that's a good answer, but I think he actively, verbally convinced not orally Andy to come back. To- all right, well, let's go with orally just to cover the bases. <laughs> Fuck. All right, it's in the notes. Locked it in. I wanted to say going green reminds me of Kip and Lightbringer in Brent Weeks. What's the, what's that series called? It's called Lightbringer. It's called uh, Lightbringer. No, yeah. that's one of the books. Oh, the whole series is? Yeah. It's also, yeah, the whole series is so called I, Lightbringer. I, you know, going green, Green Goblin... I I haven't read it yet. Jesus. This is one of the it's one of my four books series. that you put on the list for me. I know, I know. I, I have know. A it's list? on my list to read for you. Yeah, you gave me like some books where you're like you have to read these. Oh wow! Was, so I read all I the books you the told me to read, but you didn't read the books I told you to read. <laughs> it was it was not that. Yeah, well, it was play real friends. At least six months ago. Yeah, it's my bad. All right. <laughs> I'll get to it next <laughs> after I finish this Brandon Sanderson book. Ah. I heard he was a weirdo. Silly frugal wizard. Who's a weirdo? Ta, ta, ta. I was just making a joke. I don't want to get the Sanderson's, Sanderson's hands up in arms. Hive. Oh, there is. I was there referencing a, that stupid article that the guy wrote. That's all. Drawing that hive. Yes, indeed. All, all right. right. I thought the That's article was funny. Chapter 10. Chap- I enjoyed bits of it. Chapter 11. Port Massey. Andon arrives in Port Massey to begin his stay with the Han family and gain his Aspenian education. Months pass, and one day Andon decides to walk home from school, only to get caught up in a tribute payment. And the chapter ends with pick up. The chapter closes with the revelation 
via stunning display that green bones exist in Port Massey. They do exist. So there's a lot going on in this chapter that was kind of, I felt it was like kind of hard to summarize because it's like a lot of like just stuff in Andon's head happening more so than action. A lot of sad boy Andon. A lot of cultural shock that, you know, Andon arrives in Espenia. He appears Espenian and then gets a nice home cooking with the family. Yeah, they're they're nice. They were nice. I like that part, and I like that he's doing odd jobs for them. Yeah, I was like, that's very a, cute. That's a nice boy. Such a nice boy. Very nice boy. I think that the the upbringing within the clan and the the schooling that he's gone through and the like morals that he's gained are what set him apart in their eyes. Of like of all the foreign exchange students that they've hosted. He's the only one that's done anything like this, and and he, f- it feels natural to him. It it feels like this is something that I should be doing, and I I really like that about Andon and his personality and convictions and sense of morality and honor and <laughs> giving back to those that are raising him in whatever capacity. I like that they did a little sneak diss in Adam too when they're referencing that. They're like, you know, all our other exchange students were busy exploring the city and like absorbing the culture and you're here helping us. Burn. And it's also, I took it, I mean, it is I part love of my his parents upbringing. that I don't have that are dead. It's part of the upbringing, but it's like also his like rigorous self-flagellation of he has to be perfect. He has to do all these things, which it does make sense, but it's just like mm-hmm. another example he- of tough life for the kid. Do you think Andon mm-hmm. like works to like earn his keep because he had to do the same with the calls? He's always kind of mm-hmm. been a guest and never had a real home. At least in his own perception, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's like not capable of like Relaxing. letting himself feel like he doesn't have to do that, you know. He he always like has this made up sense of like I'm a burden on everybody all the time. Uh. <laughs> and he has like that's kind of I hate the way you said weird. that. Eeyore. It's perfect that because he has he has yeah, the self-imposed right. he's a self-imposed he exile. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like when he arrives in, in class every way shape and form. He arrives in the class and he's like I'm not here to make friends. You are though. Like you're literally all years. All four of you had different takes on the same idea all at once, and they were all uniquely funny and completely different and accurate. And I'm sitting here like, yeah, I just I love sitting here with my little hanky that PJ bought me that's got Jack and Sally on it. And I'm like, yeah, okay, you just right, like me for real before Christmas, right? Just like me for real. I wonder how people describe me, my quiet time. Am I the sad boy? Am I the Eeyore? Fuck. <laughs> it does kind of put on me perspective just to roll past what Crossland's sad boy is. <laughs> uh, yeah. completely ignore yeah, it. Shut, uh, shut <laughs> As you should. As you should. Cut, cut, cut. Sad. <laughs> Crossland Emery, am I right? <laughs> it, it does kind of make you wonder how much of this, like, burden that Andon has put it upon himself is actually valid and his time with the calls and his feeling of being an outsider despite them referring to him as a brother and like referring to him as a call it, un, unceasingly how much of that was like 
the way that he viewed it as an outsider was completely un unfounded, I think. And he's just repeating that sort of feeling in this new environment. PJ, I'm a little confused. I just might need you to restate it in a different way. So you're basically saying like he either consciously or unconsciously didn't really believe the you're our brother overtures, right? Okay. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the hardest thing to square about his character is like, yes, his feelings are valid. Like all of his feelings that he's feeling, they're valid. They're coming from a, a place that is reasonable. But at the same time, it's like, he does freaking just like wallow in them. <laughs> like, yeah, he's definitely an eighteen-year-old wallowing in his feelings. Yeah, that's all for sure. sure. Yeah. And you're just kind of sometimes just gonna be like, snap out of it, you know? Take some Z. <laughs> he needs the opposite. Slap of that. some of that jade back on. Need some of the berries. Yeah. Berries and cream. <laughs> Before we get into the later parts of the chapter, our guy, Mr. Hyun, he's like, our, my son, getting a doctorate in history, useless degree, tough, tough look for me. <laughs> I was like, my dude, <laughs> you, you definitely should feel called out there. As a person that was going for an English degree for two years, I feel you on that. I yeah, gave as a it person up, though. His parents actively stopped him from getting an English degree. <laughs> yeah. I feel you on that. <laughs> My dad had an English degree. He's an attorney now. Well, good for him. <laughs> <laughs> so he might be like the only lawyer that knows how to spell. Actually, it was like English and history. Nice. I, a lot of. I don't know why that was so funny to be. <laughs> ben said it's just Ben's peak bullshittering. <laughs> okay, so. We did a nice little dump on Espanian culture. We learn about the Cruz slash Boss Cromner. And I was curious what we all what you all thought about that. See, I don't like what? these gang members. This seemed like a less complicated just street gang. Just assholes. Yeah, being dickheads. This is the Peaky Blinders for sure. Yeah. This is also the birth yeah. of Andon becoming like Spider Man. <laughs> Go on. Hmm. Ooh. Like he's seeing you want to go on that a little like, bit more, yeah. And then he's like ashamed that he didn't do anything to stop it, even though he could. And have. then he saw a cute green bone, and he's like, "I he's also like, Look at those, calves. <laughs> <laughs> those knotted calves." Ooh. He's like, "I need to also be a superhero." I like this. This street level. Maybe this is how he redeems himself. He becomes Spider Man. Yeah, you're from the neighborhood, Greenbone, with great power. I will say I have a conspiracy corner that I cannot share because I obviously know what happens, but I just, you know, invented a conspiracy that if we had been doing this and I was one of the non-knowers, I would be bringing up right now. And it's so I've, good. I've got one to bring up. Bring I've up, got PJ. one to bring up about this green bone. And the fact that these. they intentionally and specifically mention that they don't see any green on him. Okay. Speed I think it? that there's there's an alternative way to get jade abilities other than actually having jade touching your skin. Mm. What if it's just under his clothes? I mean, that's the easy answer. I don't think that's the answer. <laughs> Aaron dismantled your conspiracy with like an Allen wrench and the whole thing fell apart. Okay, like, so yeah, those naughty calves. 
Yeah, do we think this guy Naughty is like cats. just it, they didn't really say like if he was Kekinese or Espinian, did they? Or did they? I think he's Kekinese. He I, is Kekinese. And I don't he know saves they, a woman. He he's Spider Man. Right. Yeah. The guy on the bike. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing some Spider Man shit. What do at first I was kinda like, is this like a guy that is watching Andin, but it doesn't seem like it? Seems like he's just regular guy hanging out in Aspinia, happened yeah. to save a lady at the at the exact right time. I don't know. Is he on Shine? Maybe. Or is he just like a traveling green bone? Well, I think it's small minded of Andin to think that there aren't green bones elsewhere in the world. I also thought that was weird. I was like, why is that surprising to you? Like, there's so many people on KCON of course few will leave maybe, maybe. It's because they can't get more jade if they leave you know and you get your jade from the clan so it's like yeah or from fighting on KCON yeah so isn't the whole like really specific thing about the Kekanese is that they're not super sensitive to it that's and, the like Abu- that allows them to harness it as opposed to like since and in his half Espenian, he's like particularly sensitive, so he's more like open to the like jade fever. I thought they were just taught basically and exposed to it over time. There seems to be something relating to tolerance and, and bloodline or culture or like descent. It does seem like there's families bit. that are, yeah, there's thin blooded right. families versus thick blooded. Yeah. Like they even get into that in the last chapter a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the mountain families that they're talking about. Mm. Yes, yes, all the inheritors, yeah. the Cobins and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we've already kind of touched on it. But I was wondering what everyone thought that the presence of at least one green bone and presumably green bones in Port Massey. Like, what do we think that means? What do we think? Is it like a larger thing? Is it one off? That to me feels like <clears throat> the Aspinians are gathering green bones of their own, maybe. Oh, hmm. really? I kind of saw it as more of like a one-off just like for Andin's growth to realize like, oh, okay, like the world's bigger than I thought it was. Espenia isn't all that I had made it out to be. Do you think Naughty Cavs is going to show up again? We all hope so. He said, looks like a <laughs> bag of ropes, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> your calves <laughs> got really great dude, calves what that thing do <laughs> do you think he's going to become like a mentor of sorts no no a lover i think that maybe it was just i don't know I'm happenstance not, happenstance i'm not making any more bets today I feel like he might need to show up bet. again and, you know, show Andon that there's other pathways. But at the end of the day, the whole issue is Andon doesn't, doesn't want, want Jade. Jade. Yeah. Right. Because he turns into a green goblin. Right. He turns into more Gollum. like a green Dr. Manhattan is kind of what I picture. That's mm-hmm. a pretty good, that's a green cool Dr. picture. Manhattan. Yeah. Pop. I like it. <laughs> Pop. Pop. Let's see points. Uh, one last thing that we kind of leapt over in our excitement to talk about guy with the thick calves, calves <laughs> is the discussion about the crews and the 
pit boss that I wanted to touch on. Mm. I think it kind of gets at what Hilo at least would perceive the differences between himself and Zapunio to be as well. And so our guy, Mr. Hian, again, once cool quote on Dinsei. The crews aren't like the clans. All they care about is money. They never give. They only take. That store owner pays and pays, but gets nothing. It's fucked up. And that's why I think, like, our relationship with the Call family and the Greenbones that we've grown to love over this book in a quarter-ish is so complicated because there is that, like, patriarchal, eternal, whatever, like, parental relationship with the nation. Right. Yeah, there's something there where they give back and there's a sense of honor and duty to what mm-hmm. they do. Whereas this is more of a straight up quote Big unquote down. protection racket <laughs> yeah. where they're paying to protect themselves from the people they're paying. Like pay us or we'll fuck up your shit. Which is it's, always just a great deal. I, I love paying protection rackets. It's my favorite yeah. thing. I love collecting protection payments. Happens yeah. A lot, uh, Thomas and I have been going around our, 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 cities respective communities across i've been paying thomas for like a year now and it's it's been bad thomas is extorting me it's It's actually my doppelganger yeah it's down interstate wire fraud (laughs) 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 for legal reasons that was a joke All right. Speaking of, we got a YouTube strike today after an episode, which is just a fun bit. <laughs> I've been dealing with the legal system today. Anyway, copyright. Cross, before we move on, but, can you read my conspiracy theory to yourself that I texted you and then confirm whether it yes. is a banner or not? I always love saving these two for like final episodes. We did this with PJ in the end of thing. I like it. I do like it. I think you're right. That's fun. Okay. Nice, nice and uh, skeptical and, and curious for everyone out there. You're going to have to wait until the very end of this series to figure out what Thomas texted me about the Spider-Man thoughts. But alternatively, absolutely not. You There's could join our Patreon and look mm. at the No PJs Allowed Zone where Cross and oh, Thomas mm. post stuff. could probably post that. Or if you want to be real cool, we could go to the no crosses allowed. Oh, that's PJ didn't go on that one. Never mind. No PJ allowed. It's the same place. <laughs> I can't believe you guys made a no crosses zone. Do anyway, you know it was your brother. Yeah, right. Of course it was. That makes sense. This All is right. why we stay. With that, chapter 12, Necessary Actions. We visit Gohai, a suburb of Jan Loon in the home of the Black Tail Clan, who has allegiances to neither clan for these serious negotiations. Pillars exchange verbal jousts, counting for past wrongs committed by the mountain against No Peak via the KJA and others, as well as jointly aiming to eliminate smuggling, as well as handling, handing, handing off territory to level the playing field. After all is concluded, Ite makes a tempting but ultimately offensive offer of a clan merger. There's a lot in this chapter. Again, I love the return to some of the politicking that we get to see. We start to see some of the scheming kind of up front in a big way. But the one note that I didn't put in the summary that I just wanted to say is the fact that they're like flanked by penitents to make this almost a religious negotiation to make sure that they don't break eyeshow, I find fascinating. Yes. That is a cool concept. I liked too seeing the Blacktail clan, like the smaller clan. In control of the burbs. Yeah. But how the burbs were farmland, but now are like legit or suburban sprawl suburbs like it was a city but now it is a suburb 
No, it was a farm. Yeah, all, all that I meant was like it was considered a separate township. Oh, and right, now right. it's like it's just been wrapped into the, oh, yeah, the city yeah, itself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. You're right. It was a farm, and so it, it's always cool. The more we learn about different groups of people, it expands the series in the world. So I liked seeing them. Yeah, I appreciate the small clan inclusion quite a bit, and I think. It's it's very interesting that they've so delicately like threaded that needle for so long. Yeah, they're doing a good job. There's a quote here when they sit down to actually go into the negotiations. We're here because you expected to be in control of the city by now and for everyone with the name of Call to be feeding worms, but that hasn't happened. He spread his hands and gave her a cold smile. Talk is for when violence fails. And this Correct. just kind of like gets... I mean, it's incredible. It's well done, and it's he gets he gets the heart of the matter pretty quick in the center of this, especially considering Ait is kind of dancing and hiding behind words as much as she possibly can to not own up to the choices that she's made publicly. Just PR stunt after PR stunt seems to be Ait's deal. Yeah, her playbook's getting old at this point. So. Or maybe she's not showing her hands. She's probably not. Yeah. The thing that was most sort of glaring to me was that they had to go, what was it, 50, 70 kilometers outside of the city limits in order to find neutral ground when we know that there is ostensibly a neutral actual government operating within the city. Like, they couldn't go to City Hall or something like that. I think... I think they had to make it different than the last time that they tried to negotiate, which is why they did it this way. Because okay. last time they did government negotiation, like they were using the government as an intermediary. I think this one is just separated in that degree where it's like, this is just you and I making the call for the country. Okay. Which is to say that the other ones, to your point, kind of were a sham. <laughs> well, so were these. Um, I, I don't know. These seem legit. It seems they like they swore though. on Jane and Country. afterwards, they talk about how, like, that was for show. This is what's really going on. Well, it's yeah, legit but it's not for a... now until they can Yeah, I think it's yeah. so legit. Oh, yeah, there's real utility to, to this one. Wipe them out. Yeah. This is a yeah. real decision. It might be broken down the road. They expect it to be broken down the road. But for now, this is the truth. It's going to be manipulated as it is, as we see right at the end of the chapter. And into the next chapter. It, right. I mean, th- that part to me, it says like we don't intend to uphold any of this, and that was to placate any any like official. They're both still playing games. Like the games haven't stopped. Yeah, this is they're lying. Chapter. They're well, both the, lying. So in the next it, chapter, Hilo says we are abiding by this because we have to to get the jade smuggling down. So, like, it's like a transition from a hot war to a cold war. Mm-hmm. He says he says officially we're abiding by this, but to anybody other than, like, to anybody outside of this room right now, we're abiding by this, quote unquote. But, yeah, like, here's the I was trying to make it clear. Plan. Like, it's PR. Yeah, yeah. It's in the future, it's PR though. PR for everybody, including, like, lower level members of the clan, but, like, mm-hmm. the family does not at all intend to comply with any of the any of the decisions made here the the issue i have with what you're saying is the any of 
I think it's big picture that's sort of correct, but like they are going to carry out the actions that they say they're not that you're saying they're not going to. Yeah, like they're giving up some. But they are, yeah, and they're going to cooperate. They like have terms where they are. They're negotiating. Are yeah, they, yeah, they accepted. The yeah, terms. it's it's in bad faith. Like they're going to be doing these things that they negotiated to bad ends for the mountain. Like they're not doing it to further cooperation forever. They are doing it ultimately to flip the table in the mountain. But it's not like they're not going to do any of this, which is Fair. what happened in the first negotiation. That was entirely theater. Mm-hmm. This one, okay. it's like both sides know it's theater, but it's less so. Okay. It's not exclusively theater, I think would be, you know, and I, yeah. I love the hot Cold War comparison because it is like this is an active conflict zone. Now we can like allow tourism back in and we can do other things that were previously blocked off. We're going to be a safe place for people. And to then visit. in the future, we'll but fuck we're, you up. Yeah, in the this is not to say that we're not going to turn a corner or be pulling some illegal shit though. Like we're still gangs. <laughs> like that's that's the reality of the situation. But they're trying to play by that ISO code versus before it was just the law and that means less to them than ISO does. Yeah. So like PJ, I would say you're right. Ultimately, it's bullshit. And like I guess at the end of the day, it's just a delay to getting as bullshit as the initial one was. But it's like, I don't know, there's just degrees to it, I guess. So like, you're not wrong, it's just degrees. There's levels to this shit. Yeah. I was trying to find, there's another really great quote in here that kind of gets to the heart of this, which is like explaining Aisho to toddlers or something like that. That yeah, Hila says that's, that's just so good. Yeah, preschoolers. Yeah. And I, I love that quote because it is basically like, all right. So we get that there's like this sort of level of courtesy that we're going to have here and we should accept that because I'm done with your intolerant bullshit and the way you've been treating us and like treating our cultural law, which is definitely. I have the quote if you want it. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind. Okay, so the larger context is that he's talking about Andon specifically and that if anything happens to him, he's going to blame the mountain clan. Mm -hmm. And then he concludes it with, we shouldn't have to spell out Aisho as if it's pick up as if it's for preschoolers but that's the way things seem to be these days yeah which i think feeds into that because i think there's a part of call or there's a part of hilo that would have agreed to this outright but or would have taken it outright but he knows that Ite isn't so he's got to play by Ite's game i have a follow-up on a very different part of this question and this is so feeding into the conspiracy corner. And so I'm so excited to just drop this little nugget right in front of you all. But what do you make of Woon attending behind Shay versus Hami as a choice? Yeah. Aaron. What? What do you have to say? Woon versus Hami. Well, why would Hami attending this meeting? Isn't Woon the They're both they're both kind of like right and left hand. Yeah. I don't get what you're inferring by looking at me. I'm just wondering what you're about to <laughs> slander a wound with. Oh, I didn't. I didn't consider it at all that he was there. I don't know. I I, I have mm. no. I this also, is the kind of thing I thought you might read into. No, I um, didn't. I didn't even so think about it. I I did. <laughs> did you? And and I didn't I, think I, it I was found... weird that it was wound and not Hami. Sure, that's fair. I thought the the biggest thing was if anything violent were to go down, you'd want somebody more like militaristically trained. 
and Woon is that person. Hame is not a, not a green bone in the same capacity as Woon is. Isn't the other way around. Um, oh, is it the other way around? Am I wrong? Hami was a fist, or at least oh, okay. a finger, I and then got, the other, But I think totally he got, got hurt. Flipped. I think he got hurt and had to become go yeah. to the weatherman side, so he might not have that same capacity. I think you're still right, just for different reasons. Yeah, yeah. I had it. I had it wrong, but I. Oh, yeah. I got the right answer with the wrong equation. <laughs> Sometimes it works as long as we don't check your homework. <laughs> Can I say? I didn't read anything into it. I thought it was more appropriate for a chief of staff to attend this meeting with the weathermen than whatever the Luckbringer does this for senior Luckbringer or whatever. the lawyer, right? So that's the yeah, way he's that like, I view I thought Tim is more like, yeah. he's like a business person and wounds like the body man type of thing. You know what sure. I mean? So it just felt more appropriate and yeah. So I didn't read anything I, into it until I read I'm your question. I'm not necessarily saying like, what's up with this guy? Yeah, I'm not necessarily saying like that there is a, you know, that there is anything there. But at the same time, we we have wound there, and then we have wound later to talk about too. So it's like he's appearing a couple of times, and Shay is keeping him around, of course, for you know obviously business reasons. But was this the chapter? Oh, okay, it's the next chapter. Yeah, it's, it's the, the it's, it's yeah, the, next it's the following yeah. fourteen, I think, or no, next one. Yeah, where they kind of have the conversation around the dinner table. Yes, and that's but, why you were looking at me. Yes. I was like, what are you doing? Because we're we're gonna feed into that in a second for sure. Between thirteen and fourteen, we're gonna get there. But I was just curious if if there were any seeds laid there as to far as far as you thought. We did talk a little bit about protection for Andin. I find this interesting as like the first note of negotiation, really outside of the sort of standard things that are like, obviously we're gonna trade land. Next up, Andin. I have to protect Andin. What'd you make of this from Gila's choice to like go in for that immediately? There's still love there. Mm-hmm. And and it is an asset and could be used as a bargaining tool if Aitmata had him captured or something. And I think Hilo <laughs> secretly hoping he, he wears jade again. Not, sure. not so secretly, I guess. is just hoping that he wears jade again and is trying to protect his not only his family member, but yeah, his little brother, his secret weapon, <laughs> secret weapon, little brother. I think for me, this gets to like PJ's point that he was defending a couple of weeks ago, which was like, well, the reason you have to go is because I can't protect you here. And this is like, okay, my secret weapon, my nuke basically is off in foreign lands. It's going to be fine. You just have to promise that you're not going to kill him. I think yeah. it's because he loves him. He does love him, I think. I think that this is proof positive. I'm on Aaron's side. I think this also, uh, without Hilo's knowledge, plays into their benefit very strongly. Being in Espania and secretly forging an alliance with the Espanian military that we saw briefly from Make Wen. Anden could very conceivably become a militaristic asset, even if it's not in a physical sense, but in like a an advisory sense to the Espanian government talking about jade use. Kind of like helping train new jade equipped soldiers with their distinct like 
not not they don't refer to them as power they're disciplines Mm -hmm. so helping hone the specific disciplines with the soldiers i think that could be a very legitimate way that andon could assist the clan in their militaristic like external sort of forged alliances so instead of spider-man he's xavier professor oh legally untouchable by the mountain clan if he doesn't pick up jane interesting dig it so i have a little question here we get that offer that overture from ike to hilo where she's like you know we should be one plan you're a more natural horn this guy's old he's gonna have to retire soon and has a lot to say <laughs> ben about is just not in <laughs> hilo as a pillar and i was curious you know do we think her assessment's correct there no, I don't. Nor I. I thought it was insulting. Probably meant to be insulting. Yeah. And I feel like Hilo's really coming into his own as a pillar in his own vein. Like, yeah, he's maybe not like the textbook the textbook pillar, but like I feel like he's making a great space for himself. He's doing a good job. Because I think I agree with you entirely because he's still basically acting like a horn. But that's okay because it's a wartime pillar. I think is his, he acting like a horn or is he acting like Hilo? Yeah, he's acting like Hilo. I think those are one and the same. But his exactly, horniness PJ, exactly. aspects to his personality, I think like horniness. they <laughs> they like make him a different, like less predictable pillar, which makes him a harder opponent, I think. And so and now that he's like learning the role a little bit better. He has all his experience as a horn. He has a great weatherman that like balances him out really well. I don't know. I feel like he's doing something new and different and progressive that's working. Yeah, I think she's just doing this so that later she can be like, I just like she did to Shay, like, I gave you a chance. Yeah. And you spit in my eye or whatever. Very similar to what she did to Shay, basically. And even we get some of that, like, recounting from a secondary perspective later with Doru, but where I felt really offended by that. But mm-hmm. but some of the discussion we just touched on with Hilo, it's something near and dear to my heart, which is history, of course. And it's just so interesting. Like, there's all this ingrained expectation of what a pillar should be and how they should conduct themselves. And if you look at it, like, the mountain has had two pillars second of whom is leading them right now. No Peaches had three, one of whom ruled for a t- long time, and then the other one who, you know, a couple of years on the job. So it's not like this is, I mean, I understand that there were like the ancient traditions of the clan and all that, but it's like a fairly new modern institution. And they have like, it's this time. It's just like an interesting thing. It reminds me of like, there's a lot of laws that people are like, well, it's always been like that. But then if you look at it, been like that since like, like eh, the 60 70 years or something like yeah. that yeah and it's just like i don't know it's just interesting to me yeah that's that's one of the things that i keep coming back to and i was actually thinking that and didn't say it when pj was talking earlier because i was like i don't know if i need to bring that up necessarily but i love that kind of part of the story where it's like man this is like they're also forging a new history so to like say that this isn't a role of the pillar Yes, there are those traditions pre-occupation with the Shatarian folks, but it's not the same 
as like they they get to live in the now and so like who's to say that like Hilo isn't also setting a new standard for what a pillar should be or that it is also setting a standard you know obviously yeah everybody seems to have some expectation of what a pillar should be it's but it's like a new world you know new problems a whole new world ship me to the garbage so i want to end this chapter talking about the private conversation that ends up and the way that this ends basically saying that obviously neither of them are going to submit it seems that the end of this is going to be one clan over KCON, and that there is going to be something that must pass between the two of them and that one of them is going to have to die for either of their full futures to be realized I think this is kind of a it's something that's kind of like in the back of your mind whenever you're thinking about like antagonist protagonist. But I think the sort of literal visualization of this moment of negotiation, making that very literal, I don't know, special. It's like, well, then we're on the same page. Mm-hmm. They can agree on it. something. I get it. Yep. I like that. Die. What was your thing then? That was some darn tootin' good reading there. That's some darn good reading. <laughs> Good reading. Book reading, I <laughs> think. It book was, reading, yeah. it was. Book reading. That was some good yeah. book reading. <laughs> All right. That's it for chapter 12. Chapter 13. After the show. The Pillars hold a joint press conference announcing their peace agreement and its terms. Later, following dinner, the Makes, Shay, and Hilo discuss the peace, the geopolitical situation, and what it would mean for Katon, and they get into a little teasing of Shay, you know. Gotta do it, gotta do it. The next morning, Hilo and Wen have sex and then discuss clan business and Amy's snubbing of Wen's letter. Where to start? Where to start? Probably at the nipple Sex. play. <laughs> I think we, we close with the nipple play, but I like the suggestion. <laughs> I tried. I tried, Aaron. Okay. We get, you know, the obvious stuff, what we already knew, they lay it out. The formality of the press conference the, this is a, where i think a lot of the theater of it comes in pj and then we also learn more transition from the mountain incoming a new weatherman i feel like the mountain is just reeling right now lots of turnover that is what we yeah, on it constantly turning people over i mean new weatherman, new horn but just i that sort of pillar one might say of the clan Good one. Yep. And so, we get the we get the seeds thanks. of some of the turmoil potentially <laughs> thanks, lurking Aaron. below the surface. Below, this not is below. Replacing the weatherman that is like taking all of the blame for the discrepancy in the jade mine, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. I'm feels sure it wasn't fishy. his fault. Yeah. She tires of him anyway, you know? She said that last book. She wasn't rocking with him. And obviously they had no choice with the horn. Because he did. He got killed. Yeah, things don't look super stable for the mountain, huh? And I think, so we're like, we're hitting the obvious parts of it here, right? But then we get into that more later where it's like, I is the mountain. And then Hilo's like, I got my homies with me. I got my sister, my brother-in-laws who are like basically my brother and my wife. We're a nice little conglomerate and I can rely on you. Be honest, yeah. I really like that aspect of it. And I think the more that Hilo leans into that, like the way that he talked with his family there and like letting them all know what the actual plan is, and then you know, letting them know that they're all free to speak, like he's not always going to listen to them, but that they can say what they're what they're going to say and he's going to listen. Like 
that is what is going to give him an advantage, I think. And that's why he, that's why I feel like he's really coming into his own as, as the pillar here. Cause like that is a new way of looking at it. Like I think make when says that, or mm-hmm. talks about it at one point where it's like lawn took on too much. He tried to handle it all himself. And like the idea that Hilo has all these great people around him or not necessarily great, but like people with, good ideas once in a while and like different skill sets and different perspectives. Like the fact that he's willing to just like take all that in and use it to his advantage. Ultimately he's the decision maker, but at the end of the day, like that, that's what makes him a good leader. And and that's, I'm like, just really like, I was like really proud of him in this moment. Don't forget to bring up friend of the pod miles. What he said. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Miles texted us when he was reading this chapter that this had some straight fast and the furious vibes. I, that's in my notes. <laughs> Hashtag <Miles>. family. Family. <laughs> yeah. I was literally in my notes is no Pete doesn't have plan. They have family. <laughs> <laughs> shout out Miles on that. That was really good. Miles and were on the same wavelength, my guy. The fast and furious. If only they had some coronas and you know, had Vin Diesel saying salut. If only. Hello, my, my if only. Is that what you need? That's what we need that to that really That's home. what everybody needs. <laughs> if you really boil it down. Elo is Bodie. Yeah. Brian? Mm. Nope, Bodie. Who's Bodie? Bodie? From Point Break. Oh. He's better. You're going all the way back. I'm going all the way back. Anyways. Missed. <laughs> <laughs> Missed joke. It's fine. I was um, still in Fast and Furious brain. Otherwise, I would have. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. I would have caught Players that. up sometimes. Getting back to the discussion and that interplay between Elo's chosen family and just family, Ken has a nice little speech after Hilo reveals what I proposed to him. And I liked <laughs> it because I'm a big fan of my guy, Mike Ken. Mike. Mate Ken. I thought everybody was like, oh, look at Mate Ken over here. Hey. (laughs) Fucking talking. That guy talks. (laughs) I was like, look at him. Get a load of this guy. (laughs) No one really says it. (laughs) Just like, oh, okay. I love and hate that for him. He has feelings? (laughs) Like, wow. That was particularly (laughs) well said, Mate Ken. (laughs) <laughs> and even then they're like, but it's not exactly right though, is it? Because right. I believed in you and so that's why you're here and they I just on the head. had no choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is head pats, Aaron. You're totally right. It's totally like a okay, okay. go you can sit down now. It's Stop fine. Talking All right, again. thanks, buddy. You're more of the stabby yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah. A scary stabby guy. Can I can I reveal something to you guys? Mm, Absolutely. No. So we get the teasing that kind of comes in here where it's like our guy Woon, you know, implications he has feelings for when, perhaps. Or not for when, for Shay, perhaps. And they're teasing her a little bit, like, how can you be so blind? You're so smart. When I was at this point of my read, I was like, you know who we got to ship? Shay and Ken. Oh, wow. I was seeing mm, the vision. That gets really incestual. It's not quite ancestral, but I see what you're saying. It's too, like it's, it's too much crossover already. It's too much crossover, but it, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's a little more sensitive than he lets on. You know what I mean? I was, I was seeing the vision. 
I do love my guy Woon, but I don't think he can handle. I always pictured Woon as man. like an old guy. I mean, he is older than her. He was Lon's classmate. Yeah, I was so he is probably like, about tenish yeah, years older than her. I guess her. I'm picturing, I was him picturing older. like a forty year old man. Uh, All right, if that were to happen, which one would that make them double cousins? Like their offspring, would they be double cousins? Nobody's, nobody's related at all, so I don't know. <laughs> super cousins. Hmm? Who, like, who? Super Sh- cousins. Shay's kid and Hilo's kid. Yes. They're cousins on both sides of <laughs> so both like of their families. Cousins-in-law and cousins. Super cousins. Super cousins. I, I mean, that saying. is accurate, it's a, yeah. It's a new grade. <laughs> Creating the new grade right now. That's it. Super cousins. I mean, it's not unheard of. Brothers is... No. No, like you know, twins have married mm-hmm. twins, stuff like that. Wow, but that yeah, gets the, even crazier. The shipping of Woon and Shay, I think it's just them ragging on Shay because Woon's always hanging around. He is the weatherman's shadow. He's just doing his job. Hey, listen, and I think previously where they said he won't let her, like you know, walk home alone or whatever, is out of guilt. I think that's more along those lines. Mm-hmm. He does put a steady hand on Shay's back and guides her toward the rear exit. What part of her back? That's what, what we gotta exit? know. <laughs> so we gotta know again. Streets have questions. What do you think, Ben? You like shipping Woon and Shay? No, absolutely not. Or... I can't handle all that. <laughs> He's got a man. What about Ken and Shay? Yeah, what about the professor? No, Ken's not. I like the I professor. Don't... I, I like the professor. Guys, I don't. I don't fuck with the professor at all. Why? Marrow's great. I just don't. I don't. I love I don't, the professor. I don't like the vibe. Ken is definitely not smart enough for Shay. She's got to be activated <laughs> in the mind. Thomas, here's the issue. Marrow is kind of your vibe, and so what you're telling <laughs> yeah, me is that you're like not you don't like yourself. yourself. <laughs> Marrow's yeah. not like me. I'm that's, beating the Marrow like allegations. <laughs> I don't know. You guys are on <laughs> no, the man. same corner. Just I to let you know. Mm-hmm. I would duel people though. I wouldn't run away from a duel. <laughs> That's why. That is why. I don't like that he ran away from a duel. And then he thinks he's gonna marry the it's acceptable. The weatherman. I was nope. Get out of here. He's just in my I don't know. I'm I'm hot. I'm I'm agitated now. <laughs> the doll is the guy. Did as I had to drop kid. that right now. <laughs> thinks I don't he deserves think that reflects Shay. who he is as a person now. Yeah, maybe he's gonna, but we'll see. Fight for Shay at some point down the line. Wouldn't that be nice? I want to talk about Doru being a piece of shit. Yeah. I'm not excited <laughs> for kidding. it. I'm super excited for it. I love hating that garbage human. Anyway. All right. Sorry. Okay. Let's wrap up this chapter. There is a couple interesting things that we haven't touched on. So, in that dinner conversation as well, there's that discussion about you know the geopolitical situation as it's evolving and shay is focused on the aspinian utatanian side of the coin and how like that potential war could impact the jade market water hilo is more on the side of like zapunio and his ilk and the uian islands and the shadier underbelly the criminal side of the geopolitical relationships going on mm-hmm yeah, I think it's just like, I don't know. You're looking at it, it as like you get the weatherman perspective versus the, pil- yeah, kind of the horn perspective. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I guess one thing that 
I would ask a question about on this one. It seemed like Hilo was like mad at Shay or everybody thought Shay Shay's take was kind of dumb. And I didn't really get that. Did you guys? Dumb for the Espenian? They were just like, she didn't handle that well. That was stupid. They were trying to like dismissive like yeah. the Espenians only care about money. Why would they get involved in Tayton? Right. Like it would be too costly. Right. And, and kind of dismissing the whole point that she's the one that understands the spinnings. Right. <laughs> That's kind of what I was like. Mm-hmm. So I was like, when I was reading that, because there's like several references that I was like, well, I thought like she was making kind of a good point. But but yeah, I think that just goes to show you that they're allied with this country and they don't even know them very well. They, they feel like they have a feel for them, but it seems like Espinia is trying to do something. They're up to shit. And I feel like Shay has a much better finger on the pulse in that situation than anybody else. And so when she says something, she'd be like, Oh yeah, we should take that to heart. And what I thought Hilo, what does Hilo want to do on Uiwin islands? I thought he just wanted to fuck up Zapuno. Well, now he wants to get all the smugglers out of KCON. Like he wants to, Right. Yeah. Basically, just like cleaning out all the smuggling with the mountain. Why, why can't those two things happen in concert? Maybe they, can. they can. Yeah. It's just kind of like, well, I guess, what the focus is sure. of the clan. Yeah. So it takes a lot of resources to like commit to undercover, like recon on Digging top out of- the entire operation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're constantly just hiring new rockfish all over the place. Like it, it, it's a big operation that would require a lot of resources to truly, like, effectively quash. Mm-hmm. Plus, Barrow's about to be in on it. You know that's going to be fucked up. So, Barrow, Barrow signing up to be a rockfish. Don't forget last week. All right, so last little bit is the sort of the morning exchange between Hilo and Wen, no pun intended there, of course. And the chief, the chief takeaway I have that I feel like... you described that, man. Someone's got to do it. Okay. It was very bookish way to describe (laughs) Why do we think... When raises her opinions to Hilo in private rather than in the sort of small council setup. Like Hilo says, you know, traditionally, like his mother and other women would leave the conversation, but she sticks around. But do we think there's more like subtextual, I think, if I'm using that directly, reasons for what's going on besides what the characters state to one another? Because they sort of hash it out, but I'm wondering if like people think there's a deeper level to it. I think she's been taught her whole life to like be seen and not heard. You know, like she's not a green bone, so her opinion doesn't matter. So, like, I think she just doesn't want to like say something that then gets like shot down immediately just because of who she is, even if it was Mm -hmm. a good idea. Yeah, other than that, I, I I would agree. Like, there's seems to be like some cultural background to this situation, but I think 
basically kind of what they talk about. I took that at face value. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. With okay. both yeah, of you. There, there's definitely something, like you said, see not heard in her understanding and like feeling at the very least partially heard by Hilo and so has begun to just like continue to take that like kind of goes back percentage like five percent at a time yeah kind of goes back to their very first like their meet cute or whatever you know like he exactly. saw her you know like I see you yeah like a real avatar situation did it also <laughs> this is sort of a callback to the first time we meet mate when and you know we did like mm-hmm. another weird little set sexual encounter between the two and then the sort of militaristic pillow talk mm-hmm. which in, in the first instance he's like you know you think like a green bone or something I think and then now it's sort of the same thing as entrancing uh, dark nipples all man <laughs> these little fucking seeds planted that finally does and she's awesome she she gets Hilo in a place where he has to listen to her oh <laughs> <laughs> interesting <laughs> interesting and then the last thing we'd be remiss if we didn't bring it up, the Amy situation. Fucking snubbing our girl when Amy, Rude. what a bitch. What makes me think? What did Amy want from Lon? Mm. And now she's like, now that Lon's not there, don't you think talk like it's specifically about? I took it as like it, she was insulted that it was Make when that was re- re- writing her the letter. But that's interesting. Thinking that, like now it's like yeah. that was one of her lifelines or something for yeah. whatever she wanted and now that lawn's dead she's got to do something else do you think her yeah. yeah yeah that's i agree with aaron here especially considering the familial relation that everybody's pointing to is just kind of a look in his eye and not not any sort of like Hilo is racking his brain trying to like figure out why he looks like like why everybody's saying that he looks like lawn and when is admitting that like it just kind of looks like a baby but you got to admit there's a look in the eye i don't think i think any 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 it's like amy but ain yeah the yeah yeah very much like amy i think amy is or was trying to pull a fast one on lawn for her personal gain that's interesting i like that like maybe it's not Lon's baby, right? Adam put in the Anderson pot. This bitch from smoking out the window. Thanks, Andrew, for uh, for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I can't wait to read more. All right, with that, let's get to chapter fourteen: Old Warriors Mercy. Shay heads out of town to put an end to Yoon Dorupan. When she arrives, Doru unpacks various parts of his complicated legacy, but Shay is left incapable of doing the deed. He quickly pulls a pistol from the table and does it himself. And that's brutal. Fucking chapter. He did this for Shay. Uh, have issue with how that goes down because he doesn't quickly pull a pistol out of the bedside table no like he pulls it and keeps talking to her and she does nothing he he quietly and secretly pulls something from a bedside table she doesn't see what it is but she sees that he's pulling something from the bedside table while he's talking to her no the way it's described is that it's too quick for her to react 
He's yeah. like, okay, blah, 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 pulls it out, boom. So the way that it's said is Doru shifted in his chair and opened the drawer of the side table. Then he continues speaking. He just opens the, the drawer. He then very suddenly, after he finishes saying the final line that I want to definitely read, she realized what he was about to do the instant before he took out the pistol, put the barrel in his mouth and pulled the trigger. Like he does it in a flash. Yeah. Uh, but and he she's pulls like the drawer shocked. open she's ahead like, of time. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. The but he he makes an aggressive like what would in any it's sort a of casual scenario move. would be a weird move. And Maybe not an aggressive move, but a weird an old man move. And <laughs> also if only, you know, green bones had a fucking superpower where they could perceive <laughs> the intentions well, of other people. Up. She's he disarmed his... by the emotions of the moment. No, he takes yeah. his and also, off. yeah. Right. Can I say no. this chapter? No. I had I was I think the angriest I've ever been reading a chapter of anything ever. Just the entire really? time. Okay. Well, I'm I, I'm going to need to like wind us back to the beginning of this so that we Not can unpack at Shay. I wasn't angry bit. at Shay the whole time. Just at angry at Doru because he's the. It's, I was just like fuck this guy the entire time, but like just <sighs> visceral anger. Don't what, don't sigh about fuck Doru. Come on. No, you're you're <laughs> come uh, on, you're man. definitely. But it's complicated. Like that's Not with Doru. I think that's one of the. I think that's one of the really important things with Doru's character is that it is so complicated. And that's one of the biggest things is Shay contemplating her feelings about Doru's legacy. And that's why she can't ultimately, you know, kill kill him. The chapter starts, though, with Shay contemplating her feelings for Wound. We talked about that a little bit. But I, I think that that's interesting that that's in the back of her head all of a sudden where it's like, whoa. Should I like Wound? <laughs> I can't believe I missed that. Or she's Am like, I, does he do like I not me? Pay, is that do I not pay attention this? to people's fucking cues, <laughs> which happens throughout this chapter? Like, yeah. Draw outward. Draw outward. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there there is that does he like me bit, of course, here too. But we get to Doru, of course. We arrive on the doorstep, and he does pass on some interesting information regarding real, what happened when he. Real quick, sorry. So we get Doru. He has a little girl in there with him, of course. So that's number one. Why I was like, "Fuck I, this guy." Gonna, yeah, call back to that in a moment. So I just but thought yeah. it was that's like how we see no, him. and and like there. So it's it's almost at the end of it, right? So like we we see the little girl, but then we get the description of like the nipples poking through the clear shirt, right? But and that's you know. like just enough to be. And I think the word is even small mounds, and that is just like ingrained in my brain of like <laughs> fucked up. Right, but um, I mean, given his history, as soon as there was a teenage girl in there, I was like, "Fuck this!" Right, right, right. We know you what's know going it's on. bad. You and, and it's it's definitely not, it's, especially especially like, considering the amount of trust that the headman places. Yeah, in, exactly. in Just a greenbone being here in general, but he does pass on some information that I think is is fascinating, which is that Ike didn't really give a shit after Shay turned down the offer. Right. And he gives a lot of other information, but that's that one moment where it's like, whoa, like Doru was fighting for the survival of the top echelon of the family still, even in those moments, even if it's just survival. But yeah, like I said, complicated, complicated character. Yeah, I feel like this end for him was right in line with his character. He's just been like, it's always it's like, just, yeah, it's like, but- He's yeah. been unsatisfying and you can never get your hands on him. He's like slippery. It's, it's just like, yeah, it's just he was Doru to the end. And I don't know. Yeah, this was a tough look. And for he's sure. always been 
emotionally manipulative right to everyone yeah and it's him. fucked how like how well he how well he does that and just like even mm-hmm. the little strings he plays with this girl that was waiting on him he's like thank you for taking care of an old green bone at the end of his life and it's just like no fuck you man like, yeah, like you'll get to heaven for this now yeah <laughs> it is just at the end like all the way to the end, he just like plays that tune. That's why and it's just terrible. I mean, he's a slithery little snake. Yeah, and like all of his, like you said, Ben, like everything he does and says is like so calculated. Yeah. So like, I get from Shay's perspective, the feelings and the emotions are very complicated because it is someone she has loved for most of her life, and then in the last X amount of years, you know, five to ten ish, has found out he's a monster, and then the monstrosity has gone deeper and deeper, but that is hard to pull apart her uncle from. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think he is a complicated person. I think he's just bad to the core. And no, it's yeah, it's complicated. Like he's selfish about Doru, not he's right. a complicated person. Okay. He's just a piece to be of shit. clear. Right. Yeah. The bullet all no. the way through, like not just the pedophilia, like, well, just, okay. He, he's selfish a- and only cares about himself and the torch. Everything else the only is layer, The only layer that I would try to layer in myself on top of that to say that he's a little bit more complicated is that it is some of it's PTSD driven. Some of it's based on like war and like all of that bullshit. But that's not an excuse. That's just that is a that is a rationality, not an excuse, because he is still garbage for what he's done. But that's where it came from. So we can understand why, if that makes sense. And we it complicates we, it. It doesn't forgive it. We have to like believe what he's saying that he wanted to spare mm-hmm. Shay and Andon, but like, who knows what was actually going on? Definitely doubt he wanted to spare Andon, <laughs> based on the earlier exchanges. Right, and he's just saying whatever he knows. Shay will wants to hear, pull yeah. Shay's heartstrings. I I th- I think that he's definitely pulling on Shay's heartstrings. I think you're right. At the same time, though, I think he's at the end of his life. Is he not just being like he's obviously a slime ball still? Like that's not going to change. I don't know. I've I've got this weird. Maybe it's just my own experience, but I've got this weird gradient of like I've always experienced way more honesty when someone's dying than any other time in their life. So I I see a lot of this as having potential for being more honest. So I I I could see him swinging for Shay and Andin. But at the very least, Shay, no doubt. Hmm. I mean, above all else, he has had Call Sen's best interests at heart. True. Always. And Call Sen is the one that went to bat for Andon to begin with. So despite any personal feelings, I could see him batting for him at the end of his life because of Call Sen. Yeah. I I think I think you're right. Um yeah. Ugh. Man, and it is it is tough to rationalize that too given grandfather's legacy in the moment. So, what does one do? There's there's a lovely quote that he says and it's it's simple, it's easy. To hold on to power, one must deny it to others. And similar to the violence quote that we had earlier, this is just perfect fond of punchy writing. And this is a very Doru thing to say, but also feels like a good piece of advice to like give her. And so there's this there's this duality in this moment of like 
he does genuinely want what's best for her and the clan and like to make sure that the family as like an extension of the pillars survives into the future and tries to hand off as much of that information as possible and advice despite coming from a literal worm in my mind is that what he wants or does he just want to have his finger on the actions of the clan even in his death he just more manipulation that's it he's got her off kilter and then he's like, hey, but here's what an experienced weatherman does. What does that does. achieve? What, do, what does that achieve, though? His I don't, I don't think evil, sneaky legacy just lingers on. But the sneaky legacy was still pro the family surviving. And I think a, I think Thomas is right. I think a warrior goes down fighting. So I don't think he's just like, okay, mm-hmm. here's all my honest thoughts. I give in. I'm going to die. I think he's like holding up the middle finger while he shoots himself in the mouth. I think so, Charles. I think it, it does in his mind. It's probably like it is beneficial to the clan, but I think it's like self-aggrandizing side effect. Also, hey, if it helps the clan, it helps the clan. I've also all. never been at someone's deathbed in which they didn't think way more of themselves than they ever were. <laughs> like it's it's one of those moments. I don't know. You're both little and big, so I I feel like he knows that the end is here, and so in in both contexts, I I get it. But yeah. The the final fucking words that he says uh, sit with me. You were your grandfather's favorite and mine as well. Fucked. I've never wanted to cause you any trouble or heartache, which is basically the out that he gives to killing himself in the moment and uh, and forgiving Shay for hesitating at doing it herself. Um, and Shay not that, wanting her. This shouldn't be on here. Shay not wanting her uh, call sends ghost disapproving of her. It's not just hesitating to kill Doru it's hesitating because of her it's gramp- for Sen yeah, yeah. it's for gramp- Gramps Grampies funny that sure. fucking Doru thinks he's sniffing heaven <laughs> yeah yeah the dog that you ain't getting there either. why exactly was she your favorite Doru thank you and I wanted to bring this up <laughs> like right clearly dude Mm. Just only didn't touch her because <laughs> she was Tall Sen's granddaughter. But yeah. like laced going after her Venom. friend. Those words are laced. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. Like you can't be like, you know, I know that's you couched it after like it's not just what's best for the clan, but like you can't be like doing what's best for the clan and then be like, you are always my favorite. Like it's just all these creepy little things he's doing, all these machinations the whole time. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm fired up. It's all gross. <laughs> all of it is gross. He was bad at his job. Well, he was great at his job, actually. That's the problem. He was incredible at his job. Disagree. We learned all those chapters. He was engaged in cronyism for years. He was like thriving on nepotism for 10 years. Like the last 10 years of his life. Terrible. If not not exactly those kind of things, though. Like, but like we learned from Tommy that he he wasn't doing good at his job the last like 10 years. Right. That's all. He's an old man and shouldn't have been working anymore. But well, good riddance. I'm just saying. Pedophile plus yeah. bad at your job Good. for 10 years. So just like to bring up something no that was brought up re- regarding the heaven comment. Yep. Do we have any inclination of a hell in their, in their religion? No. I don't think so. All? I think they do. The, are they doomed to wander or was that just the one guy so. whose name eludes me? That is the one guy. Okay. There is an interlude later, but we're not there. Okay. So like, the only afterlife we know of is heaven. 
mm-hmm. in their theology. So, right. I was thinking that when I made the joke too, but yeah. I, yeah. I'm just curious. I was just curious because I, I don't recall. Yeah, I don't recall either. Yeah, no, it's it's not. There's nothing textual at this point. It's just that the end of life is that the gates. As they're was there specified. something when Hilo was cutting his tongue about hell? I don't remember. It was from a mission they didn't think they'd return. I'll look I'm it up as we keep look going. that up in a second here, and we'll we'll go into the next chapter. But I I do want to end that with just this note that that makes and adds to Shay's feelings and the kind of complication of it all with the request of like having him buried near the prison camp in which he suffered most of his life. And in that kind of war area that he was, he spent a lot of his life and that kind of engraving while, while like a grave without a name might be its own kind of thing. The fact that she still gives him kind of that honorable end, I find fascinating in the way that Shay thinks about morality, right? Not that. And thinks about ice show. And that's interesting. I think. What'd you guys make of that decision to bury him honorably? Mostly honorably. It seemed a little out of place. Yeah. I mean, I thought hesitation also felt out of place to be fair. Like the, the whole thing felt out of, I I don't understand why she's being so nice to him in this, in the, in these end moments based on like how she's been so aggressively against him. And disgusted by him. But she kind of like... Rightfully so. She saved his life earlier too. So it's just... She has like really complex decision making around Doru. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if it were Hilo, he would have been like, What up, dude? <laughs> yeah. He would have been like, Again, yeah, don't problem would have been solved. It's going to be painful. Hilo killed him in the last book. Yeah. All right, that's it for 14. So I did look it up in the last book. There are about four references to hell. None of them a hell. It's all like hellish quality. What the hell? Stuff like that. The cut the ton thing. There's just a mission they weren't expected to return from. No afterlife going on there. However, to me, when I read like, you know, hellish quality suggests there must be some concept of what hell is, right? Right. I would think so, too. But we ha- I don't yep. think we've done an explicit heaven and hell dichotomy going on. Gotcha. Not at all. Not yet. And that brings us to chapter 15. Rats in the Celestial Radiance. Wen spends time in the Celestial Radiance, a sort of neutral spa located in mountain territory. Ostensibly there to enjoy the comforts of the spa, she and Shay have been secretly cultivating a network of spies several of whom Wen connects with at the Celestial Radiance on a regular basis. We also learn of the Tobin family, their position in the clan, and some general unease over Eitmada's line of secession, and we see some suggestion of No Pete's plans to capitalize on that. Spa day! Love a spa day. Celestial Radiance, great name for a spa. Yeah. I love Make Wen the Spy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like Love a Make Wen chapter. Yeah. I, I think these are pretty quickly becoming some of my favorite parts of these books. I just love the development of her character. I love her. Like she's really good at this and she's the way that she's cultivated this n- network very naturally and discreetly is mm-hmm. wonderful. She's finding out really good information. And I think the hammer at the end is just when she like 
finally asserts herself in the family conversation, which was great. Is that this chapter? Or is that in the last one? That's in this one, right? She like basically says like, "Yes, she speaks her mind." She basically says like, "I love that." He like Jay introduces all this information about door that Doru gave them, mm-hmm. and then she's like, "Yeah, now we know what not to do." Exactly. Like, <laughs> yes. Exactly. And this exactly. is why. And then they all make look fun. at her and they're like, "Oh, <laughs> first make Ken, now you." <laughs> I just love that. And Hilo's like, let's fucking draw. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's my girl. <laughs> so one of the things that I think stood out to me, and this might just be, I missed it before, but so we did like a couple instances where like time's moving pretty fast. We did, you know, and in there's the reference to months spent studying. And then here she's seven months pregnant. I missed that. I caught it. Yeah. Cause there's seven a months three pregnant month in, jump. Yeah. Between. A and B between fourteen and fifteen. Oh. As it's mentioned. Yeah. And we also get, you know, little behind the scenes knowledge of what it means for when to be the wife of the pillar, maybe why Amy might have fled from that role, even though she on the surface liked it. How when is Satan to use it as an advantage? Get perks. Do get perks, which lead to beautiful spy network beings built. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with what Ben said. Wynn's chapters are super fun. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad to hear that now. You had no idea how much I, I was suffering the first couple of <laughs> weeks. Like, I think she's on Wen. It hurt me. It hurt me personally. <laughs> she might be my second favorite character, so how down yeah, you no, all Yeah, no were. opinion of yours personally spited me more. Mm, good. <laughs> I live to disappoint. <laughs> that was a moment. But we've also got uh-huh. the inheritance games, right? Or did you want to go to Hilo? Sorry. I did want to go to Hilo quit. So we, yeah. I think at times, and very fairly so, we've kind of been, we've criticized the way Hilo at least outwardly dismisses when at times. And, you know, but then we get Wen's line of thinking about things, and it seems to kind of push back on some of the discussions we've had, I felt like. And how he's, you know, never made her feel less than for being a stone eye or for being from a cursed family. And that's why she loves him so much. Mm-hmm. And then there's that sort of like internal monologue fight about should I tell him what I've been doing? He has to accept it, and that she becomes pregnant. So like that all that whole exchange. I was wondering what everybody else made of that. Uh, I liked the whole. Is this does this go in to her importance now as possibly creating an heir since Lon's son isn't around and mm-hmm. like she's as a the wife carrying the heir, she's like all of a sudden become this very important person. So even though the world always shunned her because Hilo treated her with respect, now she's been lifted up into a place of respect. Yeah. She gets to be on TV. I really did like that perspective shift a little bit and getting her understanding of the situation and how she sees Hilo and just like, he respects her and loves her and doesn't care about her being a stone eye and, and all that bullshit that goes along with her name. But he just kind of sees one particular thing <laughs> like Jade, I guess, and black and white kind of like it's for mm-hmm. certain people. And, and so that makes her unqualified to be a part of the clan or whatever, because she can't wear Jade. But 
it's not anything other than that. He's like still sees her. I don't know. He like still sees a lot of value in her. I still think there's something that he's missing there because if he's kind of like that's the one thing where he was kind of super traditional and where I think that he is could stand to evolve. But I like her perspective on it and it made me rethink that a little bit as well. It's almost like something that he can't help. It's like something that's inherent to him and his family, you know, and just like the way he was raised and grew up. So that also makes it something that you can be like, okay, that's a little more understandable, I guess. But I do still think that he can stand to like, I would, I want him to see her full value, not like he does in a way he sees her full humanity and value and, sees her as a person in a way that a lot of society doesn't, but I want her to, I want him to see her as like a super spy as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I still think he'll be super pissed. <laughs> yeah. He he's definitely like, will be. Her opinions can help the clan, but her actions, it's like, you're right. trying to limit it. There's like, yeah, there's do. like a line for that with only people that wear Jade can take action on behalf of the clan. Yeah. I took it. I read it as he thinks like, people with Jade have a very specific responsibility to like yeah. be protectors. And so yeah. that's how I took it. I felt like we had been in this story silently, but very progressively breaking down the gender barrier of the clans mm-hmm. in general. Like more women are starting to become green bones and it's up to like 25% of the, of the students at, called Dushran Academy are women at this point. And like it, Shay is making comments about like, that's not going to be a problem in the future. But now we get make when intentionally like taking walks at dusk as opposed to dawn, because superstitiously that will provide a male air instead of a female air. Like it, it feels like a step back weirdly and it's kind of breezed over a little bit, but I felt weird about that comment. But she well, also she, actively she's like, pushes the sex is already it. set. So I'm not sucking on these lemons. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. She does actively push against it. Just like Aaron said. Fair. Yeah. Good point. Fuck these lemons. None of that. Fuck these. that. Fuck these lemons in particular, but and those well, walks presumably are Hilo's idea. And the fact Aren't- that they're just kind of like not really mentioned other than like to say why they're there. As, like, I don't, I don't recall her saying that they're useless or did she? It, again, it wasn't useless. It was, the, it was the lemon thing where it's like this, right. The sex is set, which is literally the quote from the, from the moment in 15. So like, this isn't going to change anything. Right. I don't know. She was she was getting caught in superstition, but I also I wouldn't place that blame or responsibility on so, Hilo. I would place that on society for wanting and like thinking that the air needs to be male. Okay. Right? PJ, I don't think it says that she does the walks. So it says superstition held that sucking the juice in an entire lemon each day guaranteed a masculine child. So did taking daily walks at dawn, dust for a female child, eating spicy food. So it like lists all the sort of superstitious okay. At I, once, I miss. Un- I, I miss. And then it says she's not superstitious because she's a stone eye. Yeah, right. Gotcha. Left. She doesn't like the pulling on the ears. Why would she go for the yeah. walks? And yeah. it is funny. Like she's dealt with that her um, whole life. It does yeah. lead to 
an interesting thing that I thought about bringing up anyway. So she left praying to the gods to her sister-in-law. Kind of funny. True. Yeah. A little bit. The gods like in, in culture don't respect her and like her birth and her mm-hmm. birthrights. So why would she? Okay. Yeah. Fuck him. I misunderstood what was going on in the story. So, Hey, I've done it. We've all done it. Things are better than I thought they were. <laughs> Things are better than he thought. It also made sense though, PJ. I mean, I don't granted, you know, do not know Asian history nearly at all, but 60s, 80s, kind of the timeline we've settled into as the analog to our our world here. And that's second wave feminism, right? So it does make sense that this would be, you know, women emerging in Cantonese culture more. Mm-hmm. It fits. It sits. It's true. Just to wrap up the Hilo portion before we move on into the sort of subterfuge planning, scheming parts of the chapter with the nephew and whatnot. The way when things about Hilo, I just want to read the quote. Hilo was accepting of people as they were. He had never once made her feel shame for her parents' well-known disgrace across both major clans, her rumored illegitimacy, or her condition as a stone eye. For that, she loved him ferociously. She hated to keep secrets from him, but for tall Hilo, there was a stark division in the world that determined a person's duties and destiny, a line drawn with jade. So we've already discussed that. I just wanted to get the quote out there because I loved it. Exactly. Formalizes it. Yeah. Yeah. And ferocious. And just like brilliant writing as per usual. No one's grumpy about the writing. No, never have been. It feels. All right. So then now we get the sort of data dump about Ike's nephew and the Tobin family. This was pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. Again, another like learning more about other people expands mm-hmm. you know it like creates depth right and then there was a lot of stuff we kind of touched on it earlier but there's a lot of stuff in here about how like one family has like a weak bloodline mm-hmm. with England. a lot of a lot of shine addiction and the well, itches is that's the eway family right i think so yeah yeah where her weatherman comes from they need a right. thick-blooded transfusion yeah clumpy blood Stick it in. Start, start you know, dating. <laughs> no one wants clumpy blood. <laughs> For the record, you don't want clumpy blood. Thick blood, maybe, but clumpy, probably some not. gravy in you. We've been asking for schemes, mm. and the call family has just been delivering them mm-hmm. for a while now. Yeah, so we're scheming. I love that well, it was aspect. just, you know, not nice with the schemes, but <laughs> yeah. Shay and Hilo, that in this new generation. Right. They get it. And mm-hmm. I think this is a particularly good scheme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I hope, Why not especially going out? against Doru's version of it. Right. Exactly. So yeah. And Aitmata hates family. She does. Yeah. <laughs> she, although it kind of made sense, right? Because she was an orphan, adopted her dad, neglected her, even though she was the best of her siblings. Not neglected, but neglected to give her the inheritance and formalize her as the leader of the clan. So, like, the resentment of family and especially of her, you know, adopted brother's family makes sense. Right. Sort of. It's very, it's mm-hmm. like, the a darker, more twisted side of Andon. Yeah. It's very, very sharp scheme. I like it. Hope it works. I do, too. <laughs> I feel like Aitmada's going to be hard to assassinate, though. Yeah. She's tricky. She is. <laughs> Just like Run DMC. If, if we've learned nothing, <laughs> that she's tricky. One more thing that stood out to me was that the weatherman, the weatherman, weatherman, 
is on the younger side. And obviously his family is fiercely loyal to Ait, but like, you know, she consciously chose an older horn and now we're getting back to like, you know, a weatherman more in line of the generation of the talls. What do you think that would mean? That would foretell? Portend? I don't know. I think maybe, I don't know. Ait's maybe planning for a more fresh perspective or somebody that's understands the, uh, you know, a younger generation more, but Mm -hmm. I didn't think about that one too deeply. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It could just be, you know, the blood devote, like they're so devoted to her. There's a billion reasons. So I doubt cross. You got anything? No, that's it. Okay. I think we're good. Before we wrap up quick, one thing that I wanted to bring up in the chapter where they're negotiating, Ait's jade is set in silver. I know that was, important to you guys last time we we heard about Ait's jade and so i noticed it wanted to shout it out jade inlet in silver or inlaid in silver kind of fancy gold 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 and jade is the one that's not to mix that's why i wanted to shout it out because we couldn't figure out what the first set first time we did the descriptor Mm -hmm. so she's because at first she had a a gold inlay right i don't it was yeah it wasn't gold. It wasn't it was, gold. It was just That's wrapped. why we yeah. got that conspiracy okay. corner going. Yeah. But it was okay, silver. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So who has to drink? All right. <laughs> Nobody. Nobody. There's there is no predictions that came true this week, so we've got nothing there as of yet. Nothing crazy. But in the coming weeks, we may. So with that, we go into next week. Next week, we're going to be reading chapters 16 through the first interlude. 16 through the first interlude. So it should be a short episode by all accounts. It's a short reading section, but just to wrap up part one of the book. What what's got that. what are the chapters surrounding the interlude? Like, what's the last chapter we'll read? I think it's 21 or 22. Let me double check real quick. I think it's 21. One second. I feel like it's 21. Yeah, 21. Okay, so... After 21 is the first interlude. We're reading through yep. the interlude. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yep. Sounds good. Yeah, exactly. So six plus the interlude. So 6.2 or whatever, because they're generally pretty short. So six chapters. Pretty easy. Sounds great. See y'all on Thursday. <laughs> get it? It's a joke. Uh, get it. Because like, the episodes come out on Thursday, mm-hmm. but also we're recording that one on Thursday. Cool. All right. Fuck 4. me. 4.9 right. out so, of 10. Yeah, I deserve that. My humor is not generous, generous, I think. For the night, it's a (laughs) Monday. It's a Monday. And, you know, we're just, we're not, we're there. So, that's where we'll leave you for this week. (laughs) Quickly, who won the week? Who won the week? Who won the week? Oh, who won the week? Who won the week? Who won the week? Who won the week? week? It's Make Win. I just wanted to give her a shout out. Is it called Make Win now? It was Dory. It is called. Don't even do it as a joke. It was, it was call make when, which I also I did put never. in the notes because I was like, it's interesting that that's like actually wrapped into the name is also the having the surname right there, which I think makes sense. But. Call make when. Yeah. Call make when. Yeah. I think. Big time shout out to her. She won. Mm-hmm. Easy. And we won because yeah. Dory was I, dead. I, yeah. I True. We We did win. <laughs> Second place, though, I would firmly give to Zipunio as just a completely different character. <laughs> Low-key, fun... Doru might have won the week because he got his fucking manipulation off and killed himself. Like, he did everything he wanted with no opposition. Mm. I love how you turned to my joke and took it seriously, so I appreciate that. It sucks, though, because, like, he's evil and he... <laughs> 
got everything he wanted. I think he would have preferred not to have had to kill himself. Probably true. Anyway, he would have preferred the episode's over though. Rest in peace. It is. So that's where we'll leave you for this week. Thank you as ever to everybody except for Doru. Thank you, Tim and Andrew, for keeping the show's lights on. You can check out the links in our show notes where you can find our Patreon, our previous episodes, our websites, our social media accounts, fucking everything, all in one very nice, easy, convenient location. Channel Aaron. Yeah. Give us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, we will go to wherever Barrow is, bring him into your life, and just let him, you know, <laughs> let him hang. Dark let him, just let him hang out. <laughs> just let him hang out. Oh man, it's crazy, <laughs> terrifying. Terrible. I, I said that to Thomas Fate. telepathically. <laughs> I love that. I love that. You can find us Words Whiskey Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, Words and Whiskey Show, gmail.com, patreon.com forward slash Words and Whiskey. You can find High Key Obsessed, High Key O Pod. You can find Howard Pod yeah. on Twitter. Uh, and high key, high key obsessed or high key, high key obsessed podcast on, on Instagram. High key obsessed podcast. We need to write that one out for me. On Instagram, and you can find Hellerpod at both on Twitter and Instagram at Hellerpod. Yeah, sure. Cool, rad, dope. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.